So what does Wipro's future look like? It's all about innovating and making sure that we are securing our company's future. So that's one. We are building the right platforms, tools, and capabilities to actually make our implementation faster, smoother, better, and more delightful for our end customers. Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Suba Tatavarti. Suba is the Chief Technology Officer of Wipro, a technology consulting services company that earns in excess of $11 billion in annual revenue. Suba helps drive Wipro's innovation and thought leadership arm, Lab45, and she's helping to advance the Wipro AI360 ecosystem. She's also focused on helping identify new and emerging trends for the company to pursue. I look forward to discussing all of the above and more with her. Previous to her current role, Suba had stints at Walmart and at PayPal as well. Suba, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Likewise. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. But first, a quick word from our partner, Cisco, and the company's vice president and chief product officer of its incubation engine, OutShift, Poppy Menon. Poppy wanted to share how he and his team are building solutions to help organizations secure their cloud infrastructures. Poppy, over to you. Within OutShift, we have a multi-cloud defense suite. Panoptica, the product that we are talking about, it's a full cloud-native application protection platform, and it works very well with other products in the Cisco security and observability portfolio, where insights from Panoptica are fed into those products and help inform your cloud-native security. One of the biggest advantages with the Panoptica product is this ability to visualize your attack path. For any enterprise operating at non-trivial scale, your cloud infrastructure will have thousands, if not tens of thousands of vulnerabilities. This is just going to be the way things are, but that's not actionable. When you have 10,000 vulnerabilities, you don't know what to do about them. What Panoptica allows you to do is to take that and distill it down and say, of the thousands of vulnerabilities that you have out there, which of them should you pay attention to because they form part of a credible attack path that can compromise one of your critical assets? It makes it actionable and we call it prioritize with precision. So it really helps you prioritize the things that matter based on the credible threat that they pose. And now on to the interview. Well, Suba, maybe we can begin with your company, Wipro. Maybe take a moment, if you would, to provide an overview of the business that you're in. Peter, we are one of the largest companies based out of India in the technology sector. Uh, we provide technology services to over 1,400 customers, over 25 verticals across the globe. Our business expands from consulting services, advisory to BPO and everything in between. We typically go into organizations and enterprises assess and understand their business problems, and then provide a very unbiased view of what technology solutions or business solutions for that matter can drive their top line and bottom line growth and eventually implement them for the services or businesses to kind of scale. Um, so we are a full spectrum technology services company. Interestingly enough, we also uh, run many platforms for large enterprise customers that drive millions of transactions per day. And uh, as you probably know, we are over a 75-year-old company. We started in 1945 and we have evolved over the last couple of decades. And the most interesting fact and the reason I joined, one of the reasons I joined the company is that 66% of our profits go into foundation. Our foundation runs one of the largest programs in the world for human and environmental uplift. So it's been an exciting journey for me in the last two and a half years, and I'm excited to discuss more about what we're doing uh, with you. I'm looking forward to that as well. Talk a bit about your chief technology officer role. It's a, it's a role that means different things in different organizations. How does it apply in your case? 
Right. There's multiple facets to my role and what I do on a daily basis. Um, the first is to secure the future of the company. And it's interesting um, as a chief technology officer, like you shouldn't you be looking at operations, but but there's part of it that actually is very, very hyper-focused on, on, on the evolution. As an example, we all know generative AI is going to impact every vertical, every enterprise, every product and every services company out there. So what does Wipro's future look like? So it's all about innovating and making sure that we are securing our company's future. So that's one. The second is top-line growth. Second is around bottom line growth. It's ensuring that we are building the right platforms, tools, and capabilities to actually make our implementation faster, smoother, better, and more delightful for our end, end customers. The last part is to ensure that we are able to create compelling solutions, architectural blueprints, architectural foundations that is standard across the board so that our implementation is not just the right implementation, but it's also going back to what I was talking about, an unbiased, customized for that vertical, for that business to drive bottom line and top line growth for enterprise customers. So, so it's kind of a nutshell of securing the future and making sure that we secure our core. It's a combination of both. And how was your, you mentioned, of course, Suva, as most will know that uh, yours is a global organization and no doubt a global team that you lead as well. Can you talk a bit about how your team is uh, is organized? Absolutely. So uh, it is a global organization. So we are headquartered outside of Bangalore, and um, but we serve enterprises across the globe. Um, so first, I'll talk a little bit about how the companies organized, and I'll talk a little bit about how I'm organized to kind of serve our customers in, in all these geographies. We have four regions and leaders of each region specifically to ensure that we are as much as we are globalized, but we're also as localized. So we need to make sure that the local leader understands local customer problems, local issues, but at the same time, bring in the latest and the greatest technology trends and solutions across the board for that localized customer. So we have four regional readers that are regional CEOs, and our regions are Americas 1, Americas 2, Apnea, and Europe. Um, then we have these four service lines that then serve these four regions. And these service lines are organized by, as we call them as GBLs, and we are organized in ways that are most conducive from a technology perspective where they own end-to-end -end stack where appropriate so that we can provide them with a holistic well-rounded solution without having to jump like 15 different places, but it's all contained in ways that make sense, logically and technologically makes sense. And that can then serve the regional customers and bring in obviously the best in the world. My organization is the absolute horizontal that actually serves all the regions and all the technologies. As I said, we have areas where we are looking at what is coming into the future and what kind of technologies would not just disrupt us, but also potentially disrupt our customers. So we have a technology strategy team that sits in my organization. It's called Lab 45 Think Tank, and it's doing amazing work. And the idea here is to really bring in and be able to predict what is going to happen next in terms of as much as we can, obviously, nobody is, has a crystal ball, but being able to then understand what is what is the impact of what is emerging tech, but potentially will actually scale and then bring it down to that vertical, down to that business, down to that business process and connect the dots. So that's a technology strategy think tank team. 
which then serves the rest of the global customers. Similarly, we have a platforms team. And as I said earlier, we have many, many platforms that serve our customers. And these are true platforms. These are platforms where we have transactions and hundreds and thousands of transactions per day across multiple domains. And that platform team, again, serves customers across the globe, both from oil and sector, natural gas to airline and everything in between. Then we have our R&D team that is looking at connecting the dots between these customer business problems internal Wipro business problems, and then bringing it down to really understanding our constraints and then trying to innovate with those constraints in place. This is a first of its kind global R&D team that we've started at Wipro, where the true R&D is necessarily not just about applying technology that is invented somewhere else, but also is responsible for creating new solutions, new elegant solutions to solve for those business problems. So that's kind of like how the organization is designed. The goal here is to give enough independence to the teams that especially sits in Lab 45, which is essentially the organization that I run in addition to the global CTO hat, for them to kind of continuously create, innovate, and kind of discover for the most elegant solution possible so that we can serve our customers the best way we can. Talk a little bit about the interplay, if you would, between Lab 45 and the R&D team. Uh, One, investigating the art of the possible and trying to think about what's next. The other, it sounds like applying what that team is is uncovering and developing practical solutions, if I'm hearing you correctly. But please let me know if I I am not and, and how the overlap of the Venn diagram between those organizations work. Yeah, so R&D is part of Lab 45. Lab 45 is truly that innovation arm. And the idea here is that research cannot happen in isolation. Research over the last several decades, you know, you build on a problem that has already been solved, but now you're facing newer constraints, perhaps constraints in terms of resources, perhaps constraints in terms of scale. I mean, there are different kinds of constraints, but then that previously innovative solution start became pervasive and everybody's adopting you come across newer constraints. And the idea here is that it's iterative process. So that's the reason why R&D is part of Lab 45, because it can you know, happen in isolation. However, having said that, because our portfolio is so large and because we're also responsible for how technology on the professional services side, which is basically the GBLs, that are how are they implementing solutions and getting the best in class, the best in class can come from industry, from our partners, from our startup ecosystems, and it can come from what is happening within Lab 45, right? So that's the whole idea. The idea here is how do we ensure that we are a partnering with the right partners, whether it's a startup ecosystem, you know, part of our think tank is to kind of work with our startup ecosystem, continue to develop our startup ecosystem and then nourish our startup ecosystem because we know that innovative solutions are built there. How do we bring that to our customers? In addition, R&D team that is doing its own research on such specific problem sets and areas, how can we bring those to our, to our customers through our professional services arm, which is the GBLs arm? And then the platforms, because the areas that, interestingly enough, the GBLs work on, some of them, we might see repeatable patterns. We might say, you know, why are we deploying 50 people over and over again to solve for one problem? How about let's build a platform or a solution because we've identified something that can have repeatable patterns and can be platformized and hence start an idea within Lab 45 that will eventually reduce the time to market for our customers by ensuring that GBLs are adopting the platform to deliver value faster, better, and cheaper. So that's how the interplay happens. It's a very symbiotic relationship. We're part of a pro family, obviously. And then the idea here is to continue to grow our core, but also secure our future. A great description. I appreciate that. Uh, talk a bit about where do you see the future? What are some some areas that particularly excite you that the team are working on now as a result of the work you just described? 
many things. Um, obviously, the first thing that is um, that is on top of our minds and everyone's is is Gen AI and how is it going to impact. So our R and D team is looking at AGI as an example. You know, what does it mean to really have a first of its kind autonomous organization? Is it even possible? What does it really look like? As an, it's 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 going to be a hard problem to solve, but man, if we solve that, then, you know, you'll amazing things will come out of it. We're looking at platformizing some of our, again, as I said, repeatable tasks through Gen AI and orchestrating, building this orchestration layer on, you know, some of our partner models um, and open source models to create value that first will be realized internally. And then we will take it to our customers. And we've already taken to our customers as we're realizing these, the value internally. So, but that's all coming from the teams that are building these platforms internally. Uh, so that's on the Gen AI side. Uh, the other areas that is really exciting for us is uh, the startup ecosystem and think tank. I mean, think about it. Wipro serves 1400 customers worldwide. We serve 25 plus verticals. The kind of knowledge that Wipro collectively sits on is unmatched and unparalleled. So how do we tap into that collective intelligence to create unbiased, compelling view, use cases and applications of technology point of views that can then be served and consumed by our customers to kind of make those informed decisions and choices. So that's another area that the team is working on. Specifically on the areas that excite me even further is the interplay of network as Gen AI becomes pervasive, as models become pervasive. I mean, all of this happens the impact on network compute, the distributed architectures like Web3, those are the other areas that, that we're working on. And, and the interplay of what might happen in the next three to five years when a set technology becomes pervasive, what does that really mean? What happens? Because Gen AI increases productivity for good actors as well as bad actors. So what are the implications there? So those are the other areas that we're looking at. Can you talk a bit about the uh, organization's involvement in Dice ID, the Dice ID platform, which which I know is sort of a skills credentialing and verification standard you're looking to develop first in India and taking around the world as well? Absolutely. And in fact, that's the, that's the interplay that I was talking about. Dice ID is built on completely a basically Web3 protocols, and it's a distributed architecture-based platform. One of the things that we very quickly realized is... Uh, there's a problem, especially first in India, but across the board, as we become more and more of a global civilization. There is, I remember I, I came to the United States almost 27 years ago, and I remember going through this whole process of my credentials, making sure my high school scores are actually acceptable here because I was going to a uh, you know, university here and so on and so forth. And the amount of time it took. Uh, so the credentialing and verification of credentials continues to be, and by the way, nothing has changed. I mean, things still remain the same. Yes, awareness has increased in those last 27 years, but of, of universities based out of, you know, different parts of the world, because we're more connected, that was a time when there was barely any internet, only in the universities. It, it has changed, but it still remains a problem. 
The second part of it is that we've always considered the three strands that Wipro can play and, and really leverage. Uh, our strengths are, you know, outside of our customer base, it's skills, connections equals customer base and knowledge. And how can we then make sure that since we are constantly in the process of verifying those skill sets, making sure that we are connecting the dots, we're ensuring that our skills or professionals have the right kind of skill sets so that our customers are able to tap into those skills through via people. We needed to connect those dots. And, and we found this as a huge problem space that there was no elegant solution internally for us. And then when we looked around, it is the same problem externally too. Courses you take at Coursera may or may not be accepted in universities and back and forth. So the idea around DICE ID is to solve for that problem, essentially an interoperable skill credentials ecosystem, which is based on an architecture that is immutable, which means that you are able to verify and there is no need for the third party verification anymore. And the most importantly is that every credential owner has all their data sitting in their wallet. So nobody else owns your credentials. Everything sits with you. So hence, it solves for PII, GDPR, and other regulatory issues that every government is now coming up with based on what is happening in Gen AI and everything else around data. So the idea here is that you are your owner of credentials. The credential sits with you. Since it is based on immutable architecture, since we're working with NASCOM and Wipro has this massive brand, you are able to now exchange credentials without necessarily going through this long three to four months cycle of skills validation. And I think that this is going to be game changing for that industry. Since we're solving the problem for ourselves, we could solve it for the industry. I think we have a very, very good story there. Indeed, indeed. I, I appreciate you you sharing it here. I, I wanted to also ask you that a lot of Wipro's clients are your fellow technologists. You, you are a technologist within the firm and many CIOs, CTOs, chief digital or data officers are clients of yours. And I wonder to what extent you become an advocate of sorts, recognizing again, your purview is different from theirs. No two are exactly alike, but there are probably aspects perhaps of, of other CTOs and your client groups that have some of their responsibilities that rhyme with yours. How do you engage with clients or would-be clients on a, on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis? It's mostly around exchange of information. How am I solving for my problems and how are you solving for your problems? I've always believed that you know, you're as good as the people you surround yourself with. <laughs> And it's important uh, where you live and who you interact with. So a lot of this information exchange happens because we are solving for different problems, but also very similar problems. You know, we are solving for a snapshot in time. We're solving for an organizational problem or a technology problem or a customer problem, or maybe all of those three at the same time, depends. 90% of it is about exchange of information and essentially making sure that we are up to date with what's happening in the world in terms of technology. Second is, given my role and given what Wipro does for a business, the the conversation sometimes moves towards operationalizing some of these technologies that have not yet perhaps been fully baked and and fully realized the potential. I remember um, talking with one of the CTOs of one of the largest CPG firms in the world about a simple thing like Metaverse. What are you doing on Metaverse? What are you doing here? So the conversations becomes from having just experimenting with the technology with like staff meetings in metaverse to really understanding what is the true business applications on the ground to understanding the the cost versus uh, the benefits cost benefit analysis to really then coming down to issues like scalability all the illities you know the infrastructure scalability
availability, security, availability, time to market. It kind of spans across the board. Um, but my job is not to sell Wipro, but my job is to make sure that I actually have as informed as possible to be able to have a conversation and be able to impress upon others how I'm trying to solve for that problem. And, and hopefully I gain from them their experience as they gain from my experience. I like that. It's certainly a thread through the conversation here is the importance of ecosystem, whether that's the you know uh, uh, startup community and understanding you know what the the, the shape that they, that's taking and, and influencing new trends, whether it's the body of other technologists and understanding from them while also teaching them what you're learning and having a profound exchange of information in the at the intersection of that collaboration. Uh, very interesting the way in which you think about that that curation of an ecosystem. Thank you for kind of bringing it all together as a curation of ecosystems, because most successful companies I've seen so far are the ones that have been able to force that ecosystem and and first create the ecosystem and force those partnerships in ways that have made everyone successful. Uh, The goal is to make sure that all our partners are as successful as us and vice versa. And I absolutely agree. 90% of my most enlightening conversations are when when I meet the founders of the startups as part of our VC accelerator program we're running. Very, very elegant solves to problems that you sometimes cannot imagine can be productionized or operationalized. And then they end up hitting scale problems. And that's when they lean on us to say, okay, hi, I'm you know hitting a scale issue now. So how do you solve for it? Or how do you make your product enterprise ready? Because your product may not have the enterprise readiness hooks, so to speak, because enterprises run on chaos. You know, it's it's never a very predetermined pattern, although we all strive for it to be there, but it is very rare to find come across companies that have all of those ducks, you know, sorted and in order and in a row. So how do you then coach those founders to kind of, you know, understand the chaos, but still are effective and are able to succeed? And it's it's been one of the most learning experiences of my career, honestly, with, with those kinds of exchanges. Great thoughts all, Suba. Thank you so much for sharing those. Well, I wanted to sort of apply some of that back to you in terms of the secrets of your success, uh, Suba. You mentioned, of course, the the importance of surrounding yourself with, how did you put it? You're only as good as who you surround yourself with. And so clearly that, again, that ecosystem perspective has been one that has helped you thrive. But are are there other points you would highlight as uh, difference makers along the way that have enabled you to reach the heights you have professionally? Take chances, take risks. Sometimes you may have to make a lateral lateral move and everyone might see you make those lateral moves and go, hey, you could have been an X by a certain time, but you chose not to, but it's okay. Take chances, experiment, um, especially during the middle middle management years and and maybe even the beginning of the year, your career. You know, uh, second is go deep. I would say you know you are tapped in for your your expertise. It may be as simple as you know being a technologist or a great leader. And leader is also an expertise. Not every individual that is fantastic at technology can become a great, good leader because. It's a, it's, it's a different kind of mindset and skill set. So, so become really, really good at what one area and become go very deep. I think the third is, you know, you will gather momentum and mentors as you grow and make sure that you have that network and continue to tap into that network. It is so important to tap into that network because that network that evolves organically, they have this vested interest in your success. 
they are committed to your success, not the ones that you reach out and say, can you mentor me? But it's it's that organic growth of that network. It becomes that pillar, basically. And, and make sure that you are you're cherishing it, you're you're feeding it, you're you're making sure that you, you it's it's growing with you. And and lastly, I would say that grow people with you. Don't be a lone warrior because it's never one person's battle. It's always the team. Grow people with you because those people are the ones that will vouch for you when you are going for that next job and the next interview and the next big gig. Take your people along and grow them. But I don't know if these are ingredients to my current role uh, to where I am, but at least these are the principles I believe in and, and, and hopefully it'll help a few folks. It has definitely helped me. Ah, fantastic. Take chances, go deep, build and care for your network and recognize that success in business is a team sport, not an individual sport. Great, great advice and can certainly see how uh, those have been profound for you uh, as you've managed your career. Well, Suba Tatavarti, thank you so much for a, a dynamic conversation representative of the remarkable innovation you're helping drive uh, at Wipro. I really appreciate you taking time with me today. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for your time.